Welcome to Brothers of the Word. Because, brother, you need the Word. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. My name is George Sappho, Minister George Sappho. I'm a minister at New Mountaintop Baptist, and currently I am playing as a musician with the Basket Creek Baptist Church. Amen. God bless you all. And I would like to speak with you briefly as the Lord has laid upon my heart something. You know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I've been struggling with some things. I've been struggling with some things, and it's not necessarily anything that I'm mad at God. Hopefully you aren't angry with it. But as we go through this Christian journey, there are challenges that we have to Go through, there are valleys, there are peaks, and there are, are things that we have to depend on God to reach down and pick us out of. Lately, God has been working with me, and I don't like to say dealing with me because, see, we deal with things that we don't really necessarily like. God works with me. He teaches me. He coaches me. He counsels me. He gives me things that I need to help me in my time of need. I'd like to share a scripture with you. This comes from the book of Matthew. 15th chapter, and in this scripture, we're going to look very briefly at verse 25, the, the whole book of Matthew, and we're going to use a lot of different scriptures in the message today to get the point that God has laid on my heart across. Verse 25 of the book of Matthew, it says, Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. How many of you have said, Lord, help me? Some of us say it like this, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Lord, if you can just get me out of this, just help me to deal with this. This woman came and she, she said, and she came and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. Verse 26 says, but he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. That's a wonderful statement to me because it says that she was made whole from that very hour. She was made whole not even by anything that she did. We're talking about the daughter because she was as the, the word is teaching us here in this passage of scripture, that she was grievously vexed with the devil. Grievously vexed. She, he had control of her and there wasn't anything she could do on her own aside from the devil that inhabited her aloud. She knew that she needed help. Now, the thing that bothers me, and I've had this conversation with my brother and my, my sister even through today, there are times that it seems to me that we as children of God, we ought to do better than we do. There are times that we should be more victorious than we are. The word teaches that we should be the head and not the tail, that we should be above and not beneath. But it seems to me that there are too many of us as God's children who find ourselves the tail, who find ourselves beneath. That's not God's will for us. Now, we may accept the will of the enemy, who that is his desire for us, that we would be the tail. We should be the back end, that we should settle for less than what God has for us. 
We should be beneath his foot. We should be beneath the debt that we find so many problems with. We should be beneath the problems with our children. We should be beneath the, the diseases that, in, that plague the world today. That's not God's will for us. It's not God's will for us. You know, I, I've come up there, three things that God has given to me in, in my quest. How many of you, some of you, I see there are a lot of young faces in here. How many of you remember the show In Search Of? Leonard Nimoy, Dr. Spock was in search of. He was in search of the ancient Inca pyramids. He was in search of this and he was in search of that. I have been in search of deliverance by God from my circumstances. I'm not the most wealthy man. Matter of fact, I'm not wealthy at all. Okay? I am a hardworking man. I'm very hardworking. I'll, I'll pat myself on the back. I work very hard. I work full time and I have a company that God has given me vision with a partner to, to try to help get going and start and we're doing better. We're, there are a lot of things that I could be angry about because I see people who are not even in the word, who are not brothers of the word, not sisters of the word and it seems that they're doing so much better than I am. They have so many more things than I have and they're able to do the things that I think I want to do. But God says to me, George, listen, let's, let's have a Talk. You remember that song, Have a Little Talk with Jesus? Tell him all about our troubles. And then it says he will hear our faintest cry. And then what? He'll answer by and by. Well, the answer starts today. What do we have to do? First, we need to start evaluating where we are. It is hard to get an answer to a problem when you don't know what the problem is. There are a lot of things that may be going right. There may be a lot of things even more that are going wrong. But if you don't evaluate where you are and what the possible problem is, you won't know where to start. You'll just be out doing a lot of things, trying to fix this. But you have to evaluate it and set a priority list for what I need the Lord to work with me on first. Now, the first thing that we need to know in this, in the book of First Peter, chapter 4, Verse 17, we hear in this scripture that judgment starts where? With the house of God. Judgment starts with those of us who are called according to God's purpose. Judgment doesn't first start with the world, which it seems like in, the, in our way of thinking, we should be going after those that are not in God's will. God should have reason to just judge all of them and send them somewhere else. You know where they're going. We all know. They know, too. They just ain't quite ready to admit it. Verse 17 says, for the time is come. It says it didn't put it off. Listen to what the word of God is saying. It says, for the time is come. Now, that judgment must begin at the house of God, and it first begins where? At us. So stop looking at your neighbor's problem. Stop looking at someone else's problem because the word also teaches us that charity starts where? At home and it spreads where? Abroad. I can't help you out of your problem if I've got a problem that I need to get straight first. It says here, it, and it first begins at us. What shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, it didn't even give us much it just says scarcely. For that man that just barely is doing what God asked him. That man that just barely gave his life to Jesus. That man that's just barely. It says scarcely. 
scarcely be saved. Where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? So it says to me right now, we've got to start. We've got to get right first. We have got to get right. We have got to seek God's answer for where we are. We've got to start evaluating realistically where you are right now. And you're not just with the world because the world will not matter. Matthew teaches us that we should seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what? All the other things will be added unto you. So we have got to evaluate first where we are in God. If you're not right in God, you can hang it up. Because everything else, your, your fate is already decided. You will not be with me and my brothers and my sisters of the word as we rejoice and glorify God in heaven when that day comes. We have got to first evaluate where we are in God. Evaluate what's going on in your life. Are you praying like you need to? Are you in the word the way that you need to be? Are you giving God the, the proper honor? Are you giving him the priority that he's supposed to have in our lives? Where's God supposed to be? First. That didn't mean second. You can't even get to two unless you go by one. If you're going to do it the right way. I was taught my numbers one, two, Three, right? So in order for me to get to two, I've got to go to one first. So the first priority is get it right with God. Get it right with God. Because judgment starts where? With the house of God. Are you the house of God? So where does judgment start? With you. Evaluate yourself and where you are first. Seek God's answer. We know here also in 1 Peter 4 and 19 that evaluating and seeking those things we're going to be met with some challenges. In verse 19, it says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. So we're going to have some suffering. See, that's where I was struggling. Because I felt like because I was of the house of God that I shouldn't suffer. Or at least that I shouldn't suffer as much as I'm suffering. Then the Lord pulled me aside. He said, come here, Jordan. Let me talk to you for a minute. I'm going to shoot it straight real with you. Okay? I never told you that it would be easy. I never told you that you would never have any troubles. I never told you that you would have the house the size of the sanctuary. I never told you that you would have a garage, a 12-car garage with a car parked in each one of them. I never told you that. What did I tell you? George, I told you that I would never leave you. And I told you that I would never forsake you. When your friends turn their backs on you, where? Where are you? You left out there looking for who? Me. To get you out of where they took you. Okay, you're willing to go with them? He's great. Hey, go on. I'll be here. And you'll remember where you left him. Isn't it amazing how we can remember where we walked away from God? Why? Because he's that breadcrumb that he left where we last left him. And you can go back and pick him up. He's not going to be the God that says, oh, no. You know how we do. Man, you ain't called me in six months. Why are you calling me now? You must want something. What do you need? Imagine if God said that. Yeah, I'm not even going to use you. What if he said that to me? Man, you ain't prayed in when was, the last, when was the last time you prayed? And you calling me now? Move on, son. Got nothing for you here. If God did that to us, where would we be? The next thing that we need to do is we need to desire God. We need to desire God and the good that God desires for you. How many of you know that God desires good things for you? 
God desires the best for his children. How many? The word teaches us that we consider ourselves good parents, right? But God, if we ask him for something, would he give, if you ask him for bread, what, would he give you a snake? I believe that's the way the word, you know. How many? You're a good parent. Your child asks you for bread, you'll give him a spider. Is that a good parent? God is good. He doesn't, do, he doesn't put us in tricks. That's not his desire for us. And he should also desire that we have the mind of God. We should desire the good that God has for us. Desire the good thing. Look at, at Psalms 119. Psalms 119. And the second verse in Psalms 119. Look at that. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with what? The whole heart. How many of us use a half-hearted effort and looking for God? It says that you have to use your whole heart. Your whole heart. What does it do when you do something with your whole heart? You give every ounce of what you have. For some of us, or some of you, I didn't finish college. But for some of you, you put your whole heart into getting out of college. You put every dime, every moment of your time to get out of college. And in graduating, you received a diploma that you can hang on your wall to show others that you finished college. You did it with your whole heart. For some of you who go at it with a half-hearted mentality, you end up like me. You didn't finish because you gave only half of what it took to get you through it. I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about you. So y'all can get mad at me for talking about me. Amen. It's about your whole heart. What are you willing to give your whole heart to? Some of us are giving our whole hearts to our jobs. God is not pleased with that. Some of us are giving our whole hearts to our children. God is not pleased with that either. Some of us are giving our whole hearts to what we would consider working in the church. But how many of you know you can get, you can just do busy work and really do nothing? You're working in the church, but what are you really doing? How much are you giving your life to God? How much of your heart does God possess? Well, some of us cut out this little square about this big, and that's where we leave it until we need it. And I'm going to tell you again, I'm going to talk about me. That's what I did. I'm working. I'm doing all these things. I'm I'm playing at these churches. and I'm working in the children's ministry. And I'm doing all this busy work. And then one day I sit and I'm thinking to myself, Lord, I need to be doing more. I need, well, I need to have more than I have. And the Lord said, I've met all your needs according to my riches and glory. What more do you want because you have everything you need? I said, well, you put it like that. Maybe I don't need what I thought I wanted. Maybe I should learn to take the heart and devote my time and my heart to desiring more of you and what you would have for me. I'm going to tell you something. When I took that attitude and I took that mentality, a whole lot of things have changed since Monday. A whole, I'm going to tell you, I'm just keeping it straight real with you. A whole lot of things have changed for me since Monday. My outlook on life is different today than it was Monday. This is real. I'm just talking about me. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Desire God and
and the good that he desires for you. Jeremiah 29 says that he knows this is what this is God talking. He said, I know, I know what I desire for you. Isn't that what it says? He said, I know the good that I desire for you. That's what it says. Verse, look at verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace. So all this stuff that's going on, you just know that's not right. God didn't think it for you. Okay? Thoughts of peace. That's the first thing. And then it says, not of evil. So all them little friends that you got that, you know, they're evil and you know they're evil. All right? God didn't think that for you. To give you an expected end. Verse 12. Then ye shall call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Look at verse 13. And ye shall seek me, and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Not a part of your heart. The answer that you are looking for from God, you may not have the answer because you haven't given your whole heart to looking for. Your desire has to come from the heart. Out of the heart, what does the word say? To speak. You speak the abundance of a man comes out of his heart. So whatever is in your heart, that's where we need, we need to look at these little things and start to clean up a little bit. The heart. Give God. And some of us can't give God our whole heart because, again, the priority is we have too many other things in front of that thing that God desires the most, which is your heart. The third thing that I found in my desire to, to, to fulfill God, I don't even think I gave the, 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 the title to this message, which is deliverance through worship. See, all of these are elements of worship. You know, and it's not important that, that, that we get so caught up in how we worship. What matters is that we worship because we're all different. God didn't create a a a, a, a Spectrum to say that whites should worship this way, blacks should worship this way. But when the Spirit of God moves, last I checked, the Spirit was God's Spirit. It didn't have a color. The Word of God is the Word of God, and it's not written based on a color. So when we worship, we should worship not based on our Third thing that we need to get to in getting out of this thing is to truly worship the Father. See, what we need to understand about worship, worship is transparent. Worship means that you see through me. See, the problem that we have in, 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 in worship is that a lot of times when we come to church and we've made the same mistake in our relationships is that when you come and you meet me, you meet my representative. See, one of the reasons that we have problems, a lot of problems in our relationships is before we get married, you meet my representative before you, re- you meet me. See, when you meet me, this is what you get when you meet me. Oh, I don't do that. Yeah, take out the trash. You can take out the trash. You want me to cook? You can cook. I ain't your mama. You meant, now, you did all of these things, you, the representative, I should say, did all of these things to, to get you in. You know, it's like on a job interview. Y'all know how we do sometime when we go. You put on your best suit. Amen? 
Some of us shave. Amen. We do a lot of things that we need to do to get the job, to get the woman, to get the man. You meet that representative. We do that in church. We do. We think that our representative is good enough for God as though he doesn't know who we are. We come up in here all pious and thinking that we are doing that thing when God knows your heart. He knows that you sent your representative to church today. God is tired of meeting your representative. One of the reasons that we can't get out of this thing is that our representative has taken us to a place that the representative can't get us out of. Only God can get us out of this. And we have got to get to be real with God. When you are worshiping, you look at the situation in, in, in Matthew 15 where the woman comes and she tries. See, some of us think we can praise our way out of something. And some things you can Those little surface things, problems that we get into, we can praise our way out of a lot. But there are some things that only worshiping God can get you out of. A lot of times when you look at the situation in Matthew 15, this woman came to God. She worshiped, she praised him first. Oh, thou son of David. Oh, thou son of David. Now, this woman was a Samaritan. She didn't even know Jesus as the son of David. And don't you know he knew that? When you come to God with your representative, she sent her representative to meet Jesus and to get her daughter delivered from this demon. And Jesus recognized that representative. What did he do? He didn't say anything. Didn't even know him. The disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, send this woman away. She crieth after us. And Jesus, she's still doing all this. And Jesus ain't even, you know, that's a woman. Yeah, yeah, it's a woman. There are a lot of women. Okay, so it's just one. What we've got to get to and we've got to know and we've got to understand is that it's important that we get to know Jesus for real. We have got to get to know him for real. And we've got to stop sending our representative to get us out of only what Jesus can get us out of. We have got to know that only Jesus can get us out of many of these situations. Stop sending your representative to church. Jesus is sick of seeing your representative in church. And don't think he doesn't know who it is. He knows you leave you wherever you drop your off last. Don't think he doesn't know. Because he knows. He knows where you left yourself. And he knows that when you walk out of here with your representative, you're going to go right back and pick up what you left. That's not what God wants. He's tired of it. And it's holding us down. And we need to stop allowing our representatives to get us deeper and deeper and deeper into this thing. Look at this. John 4. John 4. we wrap this up right quick. John 4. And look at verse 23 and 24 in, verse, in John 4. But the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshipers. How many of you know who are true worshipers? Are you a true worshiper? See, you're not a true worshiper if you've sent your representative here today. Okay, I just want to keep it real. Amen. The true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. See, that's why I'm saying your representative because your representative is not the true you. It's not. And we've got to stop fooling ourselves to think that this is who I know. It's not. Verse 24. I mean, eh, where was I? 23. Father and spirit and truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
We got to stop this representative thing. We got to worship God and still we got to become transparent in our worship. That means, Lord, you know me. So when I raise my hands to you, when I bow to you, when I open my heart to you, you know everything about me that's not right. There's nothing that I can hide from you because your hands made me. My mother and father were only vessels that you used to get me here. However, they got you here. It was God's hands that made you. Now we need God's hands to lift us to this higher place that only God can take us. But he can only take us as we prepare the vessel that he's given us to be lifted higher. We do that through our worship. Jesus heard this woman when she fell down and she worshipped him. She touched his heart. Sometimes the only way that we can get to Jesus is that we worship. We've got a hallelujah. You've got to open your heart. And through worship, a lot of times, some of us, some of the gifts that we have desired, God will bestow them upon us because we seek for him with our whole heart. With our whole heart. Look at Hebrews 12 and 1. As we worship him, we've got to do some things. It says that wherefore, seeing that we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And see, some of us stop there. But read on. It says, and the sin. So you've got to lay aside weights. See, weights and sins are different. You've got to lay aside the weights. The, the things that, that, that you get yourself into, the, the friends that you have that, that may cause you to sin, the places that we go that may cause us to sin that ultimately lead to weight. We have got to allow God, it says that we have to lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily beset us and let us run with patience. Some of us are getting impatient like me. This past week, I was, I was a little impatient. God had to do some adjustments on me. He had to show me some things. He had to show me that first I need to evaluate where I was. He needed to show me that I needed to desire the good that God has for me. And then that I needed to truly worship. I needed to become transparent. I needed to stop sending my representative to represent me. I started that Monday. And God has delivered me from, I mean, just a lot of different things. that, And delivered me from and delivered me to the things and put me on a path to things that I desire. And you know, more than that, I have started and I've sought his will for me. Not my will for myself. Because my will is ultimately going to be usurped by God's will. That is, if I desire what he desires for me. Worship God. Worship God. We were created to do what? To worship God. It didn't say to praise. Now you can put the two together, but our ultimate purpose. Angels praise. They don't have a choice. We worship. That's what he made us for. He made us for the purpose of worship to him. Hezekiah. Y'all know about Hezekiah? I know you know about Hezekiah. I know you know about Hezekiah because he, somebody said something, the Lord said something to Hezekiah that Hezekiah didn't like. You're going to die. And what did he do? He immediately began to pray. He changed his face. He had a proud heart. Oh, when you hear you're dying, a whole lot of things change when you hear you're dying. A whole lot of things change when you hear those words. You are going to die. Die means it's ultimate, it's finished. You're getting out of here. Hezekiah didn't like that news. 
So what did he have to do? He had to change some things. He prayed, and then it ultimately, what did he worship? God. God heard him. Sent a prophet to him to say, I heard your prayer. He got more time. He had to get that bad news to start that evaluation process. To start seeking the good that God desired for him. And he worshipped him. And God heard his prayer. Deliverance through worship. Deliverance through worship. Deliverance through worship. Say that with me. Deliverance through worship. Deliverance through worship. When you get to that point, start worshiping. When the doctor brings that news to you, start worshiping. Don't wait till you get out. Because God needs you to be a testimony right there. When your friends come to take you to that place that you know you really don't need to go, that you probably want to go, but you know you don't need to go, start worshiping. Because even those friends will start, oh, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Hallelujah, glory. Uh, You know, it'll put the devil on the run. And you won't have to desire not to be with them because they'll desire not to be with you. Amen? Deliverance through worship. I would like to leave that with you today. Deliverance through worship. Because you, my brothers, my sisters, are called to be more than you are. You, my brothers and sisters, are settling for less because we have been conditioned in some respect to settle and not expect God's best. That's the enemy's desire for you. What's God's desire for you? That you should prosper and be in good health. Even as your, see, I can't stop. Even as your soul Prosperous. And that's what the Lord said to me Monday. Your soul ain't prospering, so you're not prospering, and your health is failing. What are you going to do? And it's just like that. And I decided, because God is not going to make the change. He'll give you the opportunity to ask his help to make the change. God bless you. And brother, you need the word. Reverend Sapp, I, I really, I just heard God speaking even just in your message. He said, most of my people, instead of worship, they worry. They worry. God wants you to worship, and you're spending all of your time and all of your energy and all of your focus worrying. And worry will tear you down make you sick, make the circumstance more difficult, make everyone around you miserable, whereas when you worship, it frees your spirit, it frees your body, it draws people and things and good stuff to you, so just the act of worship alone compared with the act of worry, they both begin with the same thing, but one ends in a ship and the other spells nothing. Oh, so, so one ends in a vehicle to take you from where you are to where you need to go and the other goes nowhere. So he gives you the choice of worry or worship. Worry 
or worship. And, and, and it doesn't even matter what the circumstance is. It's the principle, because the principle applies whether it is a little thing or a great big mountain. Worry or worship. Go nowhere or get on the ship. So the choice is yours. I, I just thank you for that message tonight. I, I, I wasn't even planning on coming tonight. It's just been a, it's been a long day work. I, I just spent some time with my wife, spent a long time today counseling folks. I was tired today, but I heard God just speaking, you got to go tonight. There was something about tonight where I just, I had to be here. And I don't know whether it's for anybody else. That's not my problem. My problem is my own decision, just like yours, of whether I'm going to worry or worship. Turn to the person next to you and say, I don't know about you, but I spent enough time worrying. It's time to worship now. This ends message number 6274 by George Sappho. To hear other messages or to this message number 6274 to a friend, simply go to airjesus.com or theonlineword.com. This has been message number 6274. Listen to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com often and keep your spirit charged up.